Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. No days off. No days off. No days off. No days off. This is the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right. Good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone great. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal, 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 Hannibal. Mr. Dot Commer on WEI.com. Uh, day after, or two days after the Patriots, 47 to 17, uh, ass whooping, as some people in the media called it uh, Saturday night. Just not, not a good performance. I, we have to talk about it because it happened, but I guess we'll get into it. Get into it. Let's uh, give our thoughts on the game. Well, um, I believe, based on everything I've read and seen, it's not hyperbole to say it was the worst defensive effort in the history of modern football. Uh, uh, yeah, when you allow a team to not punt, not turn the ball over, and what was the other one? Not kick a field goal? Not, not attempt a field goal, not punt, not turn the ball over, just score a touchdown seven times you possessed the football. All seven times you possessed it, you scored. Um, the one thing they didn't do was kick PATs. Their kicker struggled a little bit. Um, but I mean, I, I said this this morning on main radio, the hit I do every week that sometimes we get on bill for being too, he picks a phrase or a sentence post game and says it. Hmm. And it's like, can you say something else? I know you got out coat, but when he said we couldn't keep up with the bills, he nailed the hell out of it. hundred percent. You couldn't keep up with the bills defensively. You absolutely could not keep up, but offensively, you never really were able to, after that first drive ended in the interception, you were never able to do anything to even create a shootout or, right. you know, keep them on the sideline for a little bit, limit their opportunities. So the, the divide, I mean, this is now 120 minutes of football against the Buffalo bills once at your house, once at their house, varying weather conditions where Josh Allen, I'm going to be a little vulgar here, made you his bitch. And I don't know another way to look at it. And, so forget all the, oh, he's not really an MVP candidate, Bill, or he's soft and, and oh, you're in their heads. And it's amazing how much real estate the Patriots have in the heads. Of, uh, I don't know how anyone could ever say anything along those lines again. They own you. They, the, you know, those stupid things people do, oh, go to Wikipedia, who owns the Patriots? Change it to Josh Allen, because Josh Allen owns Bill Belichick, Steve Belichick, and the Patriots. And I think that for me, like, I'm still stunned. You know me. I thought every sign pointed towards the Bills winning. Yep. But even I never expected. I keep comparing it to my puppy that, you know, the uh, subservient puppy when dogs fight that rolls over and shows its belly. The Patriots rolled over and showed their belly. I, I didn't see. You, you know, you know, you don't, you don't want to see this, but you know what I would have liked to have seen a, a, like a 15 yard late hit penalty out of frustration. Like 
it was it was just resignation. See, I come back to what I said to you guys on the radio yesterday. You could tell during pregame warmups it was over. The Bills were fired up. Like I know they're at home, but still they were embracing the cold. Like they were all dancing and all that. And the Patriots were just like kind of going through the motions and like, all right, only 10 more minutes. So we're back inside and warm up. Like it was almost like they were done from this moment. They walked off the buses. Do you think that was a byproduct of the three losses over the, f- the final month? Yeah, we the- talked about it last week. Just the vibe going into the game. It wasn't like, I'm not saying the Patriots need to like guarantee wins when they talked last week, but there was no like fire and like, you know, you just kind of got the vibe. Like they didn't think they had a chance. Yeah. And that's how they played. That's certain. And I'm a big, you know, this, I say this almost every podcast butterfly effect, the interception, the Micah Hyde, first of all, really good play by him. Not a great throw by Mac. When you look at it on, especially the end zone um, angle, you can really see how it's underthrown into the inside and Aguilar I blaming Aguilar too for the play. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't blame Aguilar. I mean, I think people want him to stop and come back and high point it. A, I think he may tear his ACL if he tries to do that. B, I just don't think it, it's it's realistic in that situation, that type of route where you're running a full speed go to try to stop, and now I'm going to come back and fight through it. Um, but if you watch the replay, if Mac leads him deeper into the outside, it, it's a touchdown. You know, but just give it, a great the guy made a great play. Like that just that oh, happened. It, no, great play, great play. Um, but even if it's a touchdown there, so does the game end 35-24 instead of 47-17? Like, That's, you, can I get to another point that I pointed out during the game? The stupid people that think the uh, taking the ball with the coin toss was like a big difference maker. Like okay. people, I think I tweeted like it had nothing to do with it. And I got like dozens of people said, yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. Momentum, momentum. No, it just changed the order of events. You would have right. gone three and out and the Bills would have scored and you wouldn't have gotten the ball to start the second half. Because I will say one major difference in this game is some of these other games where we talked about how the start, the other games, sometimes the Patriots defense got mowed down on the first drive and then it turned around quickly. It never adjusted in this game. So they were getting mowed down, whether they were first, second, third, fifth, they, they had no answers. Um, Their best players, their veteran players had no answers. You want a symbolic play, the Josh Allen run right by Judon on the left side for like 20 plus yards. First drive, right? Yeah, that I mean, that was very symbolic. And then I thought it was even more symbolic in a way. The second touchdown, they had a third and four in the red zone. He ran right up in the middle, boom, buried him for a five-yard gain, first down, next play, effing laser to Dawson Knox for the touchdown with, I think, Adrian Phillips, like, was all over him, was right there. But to me, it was, that was big brother bully Josh Allen saying, how do you want me to beat you? You want me to run around you? You don't want me to run over you? You want me to throw over you? You want touch passes? You don't want me to throw the ball away and my receiver will just jump up and right. catch it? Just tell me how you want me to beat you because that's how I'll beat you today and I'll beat you in all these ways. So, I mean, like the numbers are fun if you're a Bills fan and they're like eye-opening. You know, He had more touchdowns than incompletions and like all those. And more touchdowns and third down conversions. Right. Like all of those, even the one, and I wanted to double check. I think they ran 54 plays. Mm-hmm. and scored 47 points yep but i think the 54 plays even includes the the kneel downs yeah, so they basically scored a point per play You're like you know in the nba they do like a point per point possession, possession. <laughs> they ran a they scored a point per play they were like on nba level scoring um you know it's laughable from the outside I can't imagine how i'd feel if i were steve belichick gerard mayo bill belichick like they had no answers. Like, yeah. Even, even some of the bad Patriots teams would always find a way to, like, somewhat counter and make a game never really, like, competitive, but they would always not get blown out like that. Yeah, it was uh, – and non-competitive is the word. They were not competitive in that game. And – but the one thing – you know, okay, now I'll step back for half a second, take a breath, and say it was absolutely a successful season. It was yeah. – absolutely a good thing to make the playoffs but i would say it's very clear you're in the same category with teams like the dolphins the steelers these whether you're the six seed or the eight nine seed Mm -hmm. you're right in that world right there Mm -hmm. you're not in the world of one two three 
Those right. elite teams, you know, we saw it with, and I've seen people making big picture. Um, oh, great. We expanded the playoffs so we can watch a bunch of teams get blown out on super wild card weekend. Cause Steelers were the same thing. They couldn't hang mm-hmm. with, with the chiefs. Eagles were the same thing in the other. Conference. Right. And you know, so you're in that world where, yeah, if you beat the teams, you're supposed to beat the jets, beat the Jags, beat the Texans, just like the dolphins did. You have a seven game winning streak. You either make the playoffs or just miss the playoffs. But now it's the question of how do I get to the, the next level where I'm a legitimate competitor with the good football. Like team. we talked about them being in that second tier. I don't think they're there. They're in that third tier. Like I put, I think the Bengals are like ahead of them. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I will say everybody likes when I say I'm wrong. Boy, was I wrong when I said uh, you got the best matchup you could ask for with the Buffalo Bills. Holy crap. Was I wrong? <laughs> Give me the Bengals. I, I think the Bengals would have embarrassed you too, but they couldn't have embarrassed you as much as the Bills did. So I was dead wrong on that. Yeah. Me too. Raise my hand. <laughs> but um, any so, more game thoughts where you want to more morph into bigger picture? Because what's it to really discuss about the, the game? Like they got their ass kicked. Well, yeah, actually, we should. No. Mac Jones. Like what I was I, thinking. I thought even bef- like before the game got out of hand, they were going to let him. They opened the playbook for him. That opening drive, he was throwing the ball way more than I expected and even more down the field. And he handled it well. Yes, it was a small sample size, but I thought that that was encouraging. And even the rest of the game was encouraging for his development. From getting dressed to getting on a plane, I thought Mac Jones might have been the most um, impressive Patriot on the day. And, and that's not saying much. Like, they all sucked. They were all parts of this, this debacle. But I thought he competed. I thought he gave effort. I thought he made some throws. He had drops. He had bad throws. Like, again, mm-hmm. Aguilar throw could be better. The second pick wasn't just deflected. He threw into coverage. It was yeah. – he deserved to be picked off on that play. Um, but he didn't get a lot of help from a lot of his guys. You know, certainly that Brandon Bolden is the perfect example of do not take your eye off the ball because mm-hmm. that's what he, – he saw Matt Milano coming and he looked down for a minute and didn't catch the ball. Um, but, yeah, I thought Mac competed. Um, I, I really liked his postgame press conference, honestly. Um, and I don't know if, if fans really care about that, but he, as dejected as he was against the dolphins, the super embarrassed guy, I thought this was more, um, measured professional, big picture, taking it in stride, like already turning the page to the The only thing I could think of off that. I think someone talked to him, whether it was Josh, like while he was getting dressed or after, before he talked to us, like, I think someone, cause I don't think they would do it during the week. But I think somebody like propped him up. But why have they never, like we said it in Miami, he looked like he was bawling his eyes out before mm-hmm. he got to the podium. And then he said, super embarrassed. And like, we've seen his emotions since, even since the spring, you know, that self-flagellation day where he's slapping himself, like the, the bench where Hoyer's going over, kind of talking him off the ledge. How did they succeed here? If Because of the way it worked, even if they did that, even if Josh did that or whoever, I think he also was open to it. It's almost to me like when he stepped to that podium, he was second year quarterback, Mac Jones, not rookie quarterback. That was the vibe I got. Like, this is more my team now. Like I'm not a rookie anymore. I've done here. I've I've done all this. I know what I'm doing now. And I got the vibe. And again, I read way too much into a lot of things. So I could be guilty. I mean, you told, you told Jordan now that him and Damian Harris were a fight. I think they were at the time. So um, <laughs> just because they've been dancing and doing handshakes every single day since I made that comment doesn't prove me wrong. <laughs> um, but I think he like that the idea that he, he wants to be the big brother and he wants to go into the offseason and learn to lead better and bring guys with him down that path. I, I really I liked it. And you wrote the column this morning. It's dead on anybody that's ripping him like. He's not the guy. They need a quarterback. We, I mean, we had calls yesterday, Fitzy and I, on the, on the radio station. We did the morning, sort of a post-mortem. We'll take whatever you think. And there were people like, you got to trade up. You got to find a quarterback. And I'm like, I, I think if everybody did their job as well as Mac Jones on Saturday night, you would have been more competitive. I don't think you would have won because you're not good enough. But he was okay. And I know it was garbage points. They scored 17 points. Like you, there were scenarios where you thought the Patriots only chance to win the game was win like a 17, 14 game. Somehow I'll get lucky with the bills defense. You weren't winning in a shootout. 
Right. So, yeah, I'm I'm with Matthew Slater, who said, you know, the future's bright with number 10, you know, Patriot like, Nation. Says, with, with this young man leading the team. Yes. And you know what I found interesting? Total side note. So Matthew Slater calls him Thomas Brady. He calls him, what the hell's Gunner's real name? I don't know, but he calls Gunner his real name. He doesn't know. No, it's JC Jackson, Gerald. No, and he also calls Gunner, not Gunner. Oh. He calls him, what's his name? Yeah, you look it up. But I find it interesting that Matthew Slater calls everybody. Caleb? Yes, he calls him Caleb. In an interview on, on our, with Mutt and I, I said something, and he blah, 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 Caleb. And I go, whoa, 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 did you just slip a Caleb in there? And he goes, if his mama named him it, I'm going to respect the mothers. Like, he had some comment. Um, how come he calls him Mac? It's not his name. I don't know. Too bad you don't get to ask him that tonight for your final interview of the year. No, I, I meant to. Um, but, yeah, he uh, and he's seemingly going to enjoy watching Mac in retirement because he said, my kids and I are going to be enjoying what, sitting on yeah. the couch. I think he was being respectful to the process and didn't want it to be about him, but I think, and even just the way the other players were talking, Matthew Slater played his final game as a Patriot. As Rich Keefe likes to say, he gone, (laughs) he gone. Um, But I do big picture. You can't take away what Mac did 17 games, you know, win 10, go to the playoffs, beat out Cam Newton, replace Tom Brady, be compared to Tom Brady, like deal with dinks like Greg Hill and Chris Curtis and like these interviews and these various questions, like that whole thing every week, he did a good enough job. I don't know where it's going, right? I don't, I don't know like if he's going to be a, I still don't know if he wins a Super Bowl. I don't know that because guess what? Another, I'm going to quote Matthew Slater because I thought Matthew Slater was really good post game. The last 20 years are not reality in the National Football yeah, League. Yeah, that was good. I meant to go back and transcribe some of that. So, like, this idea, like, it, it's the same thing with, with Patriots fans mocking other teams. Oh, Mahomes, talk to me when you got six. Well, if that's the barometer, then we're done here. Like, right. the greatest quarterbacks of this generation, not named Tom Brady, win one Super Bowl, basically. Yeah. Now, Peyton snuck in another one in which he – he was a passenger, as Wiggy would say. But reality, and it's the same thing with coaches. All these coaches get compared to Bill. Oh, you got to win five or six to be great. Okay, then there's no great coaches. Mm-hmm. It's just Bill and there's nobody else. So this idea that Mac can only be great if he wins a Super Bowl, like, so you wouldn't take Philip Rivers or you wouldn't take, trying to think of another, you know, Dan Marino would be the classic example. You know, right. You won't take a guy that just is your foundation for the next 20 years. He I got it. You don't have to worry about that position. He's your guy and he's going to be solid and, and lead your team. Right. And, and I know people don't want to hear that, but that's life. That's like it's reality. Cause the other option is you become the bills or the dolphins or whoever that are searching for 20 years, every two to three years to mm-hmm. find the quarterback. Mm-hmm. You still don't win. Either scenario, you don't win. One, you don't win with a new face every few years. You buy a lot of jerseys. One, you have the same face, same jersey, but he just comes up short. He gets you to the playoffs, but he loses, like whatever it may be. I don't know. I'd take that. I'm not saying it's perfect, well, but like the we, Bengals. The, the Bengals season. won their first playoff game since 1990. So it's hard. Like the perfectly said by Matthew Slater this false reality that Patriots fans have lived in. And especially the ones that are like 20 somethings, 30 somethings Mm -hmm. that that's all they know. They went from 10 to 30 dominating. Like you were always in the playoffs. You were always in the AFC title game. That's not reality. I mean, look at the Cowboys most popular team on the planet. Mm -hmm. Let me know when they win something. Um, Morphing into the Matt conversation too. Like he's not, you can't totally judge him until he gets some people around him. Like he was, he was working with a bottom third receiving core in the NFL. And he put up the numbers that he did like, give him a number one receiver and see how things look, give him Jamar Chase, give him Stefan Diggs, And we'll see how he looks in. Maybe then these same people that say he can't win a Super Bowl say, Oh, Hey, he gets the number one receiver that can make plays for him. Maybe he can. I would just say, give him any of the cores that won this weekend, any of them. 
That's valid. Like he had the worst of them. Yes. Right. By, by far. Give him the Bengals. Give him the Bucks. Give him the Bills. Give him the Cowboys. I mean, give him the Chiefs, Chiefs. or give him the Niners. All of them have better weapons. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's the reality. I you know I said I joked yesterday. He goes into gunfights with a knife. Yep. And and I would also argue compounding that is he's not the freak of nature athlete quarterback that can okay I got to do it myself I got to rush for buck fifty I got to throw for mm-hmm. two hundred I got to do that's not his game. So if you don't. The, the whole, you know, every decision in the last 20 years has been made to put Tom in the best position possible. Well, right now, Mac, your quarterback, you need to make some decisions to put him in the best position possible. And then if he's, then if he gets blown out on wild card weekend, then if he can't win, then you start to say, ah, oh. it's a little like the Celtics. Yeah. You have Brown and Tatum. Okay. We're trying to do things around them. We're trying to, and then eventually, well, we're five or six years in and we've, brought this all-star and that all-star and we've yep. done that hmm maybe we need to start talking about those two i'd like to see them get to that point with mac be four or five years in oh i gave him a, a an all-pro receiver or a tight end i gave him a running game i gave him this we still haven't gotten over the top okay maybe now we question whether mac is good and enough. the but- flip side to that is mac could have gone out there this year and thrown two or three picks a game looked overwhelmed looked getting visibly frustrated every single week on the sideline, you know, not completing passes, not showing leadership skills where you found out that you can build, you can, you prove, Mac proves the Patriots that they can build around him. And it's not the Patriots saying, did we make the wrong decision here? Like they, they should feel good about their choice. And that's what we said at the beginning of the season. Priority was number one was finding out whether Mac Jones was your franchise quarterback. And I think you can say that you did. And I would say the biggest questions with him, he, he, is the, is the one you knew you were going to have to answer at some point. Is his arm good enough? Mm-hmm. Like, can he make those throws I need him to in, in tight windows, whatever? Because everything else, pro-ready, leadership, career, like he's got all that accuracy, short passing game, decision-making. I think for the most part, he answered, he proved all his strengths right. Now we have to see if he can prove his weaknesses wrong. But I think that comes with a time and B, opportunity with, with legitimate weapons around him. So, yeah, I, I mean, people are going to think this is a Homer podcast, and that's fine, but if not you're the next, on... The, the next topic's not going to be Homer. Well, no, exactly. Um, and that's where everybody hates us because, you know, we happen to be objective, which my little rant I went on on the radio, if you're listening to this and you think we're idiots and hate us, then please do stop listening. Don't Don't follow, like... We're not for everyone. We're not mass marketed. We're a niche podcast. We are for hardcore Patriots fans who don't just want the Homer perspective. Correct. And also, by the way, don't want the just hot take clickbait perspective. I I think we offer some of all of it. Sometimes we're too much Homers. Sometimes we're too cynical and critical. Sometimes we throw crap out there that just popped into our heads. Right. We're going to give you the charcuterie board, as Chris Schein would say, of of the Patriots. But, you know, there was the whole dink, whatever the hell the guy's name is on. Oh, go, go unfollow these guys. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's fine. I, I don't care. Like, am I supposed to care about that? Like, right. no, if you don't like us, don't like us. I agree. We're not we're not trying to be people who are not. We're not trying to be uh, Mr. Homers and prop up the Patriots, try to get downloads and, and listens. Like that's, we're telling it like it is. That's what we're, that's what we're, we strive to be. And I think that's what we're delivering. Like whoever that guy is and however many Twitter accounts he runs, all his burner accounts, like, is he the type of guy that has a bad meal at a restaurant and then for then on goes to the door and says, by the way, your food sucks and then leaves? Right. Like, okay, so don't bring your business there. That's fine. Right. right. But the market will decide, people will decide. So, Okay, moving on. I've had my little mini rant again. Um, the defense. I I labeled them frauds today in my column. Is that accurate? Um, well, I think I would agree since I've done no research on this, but I have to think they are the absolute worst number two scoring defense in the history of the National Football League. Yes. They were second in points allowed. Second against the pass, and you allowed whatever six hundred something yards to Josh Allen in two games. Like, so I don't know how you can. 
I mean, I guess you could say, you know, bad matchup. It's, oh, it's just a bad matchup for us. But like, if you're going to be great, you don't have bad matchups. Like, I don't, you, I, I don't think Jordan or LeBron or Brady says bad matchup. Like they right. figure out a way they figure out a way. What it was, was I think you really got, well, it's hard to read because you got exposed on multiple levels. Mm-hmm. Your good players, your foundational players got exposed. Big time. Your aging players got exposed. Maybe even bigger. Your lack of depth and your um, middle tier draft misses yep. got exposed. So it was like a, what's that phrase that uh, Theo liked, used to like to use, Theo Epstein? It's multifactorial failure. Mm-hmm. Like I think those, so Judon, I'm shrugging. I know it's an audio podcast. I don't really know what to make of his absolute falling off the map. And then I don't like to be critical, by the way, of I don't want to be Harry Hardo. I don't need him to sit on the bus with his helmet on and sulk about the win. But was he borderline giddy at the postgame podium? Yeah, I didn't understand that either. Came out like, hey, guys. Yes. Like, and and I, again, I don't want to be overly critical. Because that's him. Like, that's him, Mr. Energy, Mr. Positive guy. But like, but probably read not, the room. No, you're not the time. Yeah. And, and I appreciate him saying, you know, thanks for coming guys. Like he's always, he won the media good guy award. He's been good to the media. He's a, he seems nice to the media, the whole thing. We'll forget about whatever happened in Baltimore with certain reporters there, but for here and now, but he had a weird energy to him that I couldn't, cause not only did I, I almost could see that if, for example, I'm going to, I'm going to urinate on a guy who sometimes I take pot shots at whatever. Like if Chase Winovich, had had three sacks in that game. Yeah. Same game, 47-17 loss. He had three sacks and he came to the podium with a little energy. I might understand it because he's thinking, yeah, maybe you should play me more. Maybe you shouldn't right. bench me all the time. Like, look what happens when you actually put me out. Like some, Judon sucked. He barely played. He didn't start. He sucked. They got embarrassed as a defense. They lost. And he's like, hey guys, how's it, how's it going tonight? Uh, pretty bad, actually. You guys suck. Right. And so I found that weird, but I don't, I, I, it's hard for me to really put my finger on how he fell off the map and what that first did. 13 games, 12 and a half sacks, last five, zero. First 13 games, 25 uh, quarterback hits, last five games, one. Yeah, so I remember. That's just like, it, you can't explain it. Well, unless he's, I know he's this rib injury thing. Yeah, so yeah, people are throwing out the, th- this rib injury that he got in the first Buffalo game. But, like, if it was that serious, number one, why wasn't on the injury report? And number two, why is he even playing? And you're out there. I need you to, like, uh, this is a a dramatic example, but I watched Tom Brady go throw with his thumb popping out of his hands. Like, uh, expert doctors from all over the world were telling him this won't work, can't happen. Like, if you're going to be on the field, you need to overcome. And I can't. You know, doing those weekly blogs I did of the Patriots stats. Mm-hmm. And I remember going back to like, you know, he's on pace to break the franchise record. He's on pace to challenge the NFL record. He's on it was like, well, that pace really fell off. He was like he a fat guy running. He doesn't even have the he's not even in sole possession of the Patriots sack lead. He's tied with Rabel and Chandler Jones still. Yeah, it's so and but getting back to the the overall, like, so that's a factor. JC Jackson. No, no show. No show. Yeah, he was part of the problem. If you're you an elite a- quarterback, you can't. What was it? Four for five for 80 something yards. I yeah. know you're, you're a matchup against Stefan Diggs, but you got to make some plays. Gave up, and, and you posted your little picture of you and Diggs on Instagram, Mister Int, before the game. Like, if you want to be Connor McGregor, if you want to promote yourself and be the swagger and all that, you know his. What was his comment last week about you know? And I like it. I love when he's honest. You know, they're good, but we're good too. Yep. Well, guess what? They are good. I'm not sure you're also good. Yeah. You had good numbers. You had good performances in certain games, but are you actually good? So I, that was, you know, everybody's joking about Mayo. Like, how do you go into these interviews after that performance? JC Jackson, the same thing. How do you put your hand out and say, I need a hundred million dollars. Well, I know he'll do. He'll go to the PFF and say, I got all these numbers. Look at these, look at these. And then some, some GM might say, well, how about this tape in this game? 
Yeah, there's probably the way the world works now with analytics and numbers, there's probably people dumb enough to just ignore what they see and you just walk with, in with a printout of all those PFF grades and, right. and numbers. Whereas some old school Jones will pull out a tape and say, well, what happened here? Yeah. I mean, in a world where Mike McCarthy runs a QB draw with no time left on the clock because his analytics guy liked the play. You're right. Somebody will hand JC Jackson a boatload of money. But so Judon came up short. JC Jackson came up short. Certainly McCordy and Hightower looked old. I, I love them both, but they're, they're old, man. Gone. They got to be gone. I, I kind of do too. I was thinking this this morning. Like, I, I, don't, I wasn't covering the team, but people tell the stories of Bill sitting Teddy Bruski down and saying, you're too old, you can't do it anymore. Does he have Teddy, to have that conversation with Hightower and McCordy? Yeah, or they need to – it wouldn't surprise me if those two realized it and just moved on. Moved um, on and retired or tried to play somewhere else? I think there's a chance Hightower retires. Yep and McCordy tries to play somewhere else. Just I, totally gut vibe. Uh, that, that's my hunch, too. <laughs> um, but, and and the, the McCordy thing, part of the problem is, as I look at, and we'll get into this more off-season, roster, projections, depth charts. The way I look at it, it makes sense to have Mills, Duggar, Phillips as your safety trio, your 3DBs. Mm-hmm. We'll forget about JC for a minute, whether he's around or not. And then you figure out corner. I just think that's a natural role or evolution for Jalen Mills in this defense. Like they, they've already kind of planned for his McCourty's exit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because he, the number of times he got um, run around bad angle, missed like whatever in the last six to eight weeks probably matches his entire career before then. Yeah. So He's old. You've said it before. Like you, you said you. It was one of the games earlier this year where you took the bad angle, where you were like, "I kind of wanted to ask him, like, is this a, set, a play you look at and you say, am I just getting old?'" But you obviously there's no way to properly phrase that. But that happened a dozen times after that. Right, and it reminds me of once upon a time Terrell Buckley in 2001 saying, "I'll know when I'm done because there's certain routes I won't be able to cover anymore." And I think McCourty, whether he can do it, like accept it. I think he has to look at those, A, feel them when they're happening, mm-hmm. but B, look at them later on tape and say, I just don't have it anymore. Unless, I mean, I guess you could talk yourself into in a different role where I'm a, a, a rotational player or a, like. Would he even want to do that? I don't know. It's weird. He's a weird guy because 2018, everybody thought he was retiring. I was say, like, there's been like three off seasons now. It feels like that he was retired. And it's like 2018, well, that might have been too early. Now, instead of retiring too early, maybe he's going to go down the road of retiring too late. But total system failure for the defense. I can't, you know, you know, the one guy I'll give, I mean, I guess some credit to or like surprised me was like the Barmore getting carted off and then playing. Now I look back on it. I think he just hyperextended his knee. It's a scary ass feeling that it. I, I liken it to, from my experiences as Harry Hardo high school football player, there's a few injuries that you think you're dead at the time they happen. The first time you get the wind knocked out of you in any sport mm-hmm. is one of the worst moments of your life. Cause you literally think I'm going to die. This is it. Tell my mom, I love her. And I'm moving on to the afterlife and a hyperextended knee. You feel it, you see it. And you're like, Oh my God, everything's you know, like, yep. cause knees are so we live in a world where knees are such a, I don't know, like scary marquee. No, scary thing. Yeah. Yeah. Bomber probably thought that he was done not only for the rest of this year, but half of next year too. And, and had Reece, a long rehab ahead of, yeah. Yeah. Reese clearly thought that too. And then it's one of those things where you're like, you know, six hours, eight hours later, you're walking around, you're like, Hey, things work in the way it's supposed right. to maybe. And then they run the test and they're like, no, everything looks okay in there. So, but other than that, I mean, the, the lack of speed athleticism That's been a problem for years but it's just like it gets shown up in crucial moments time and time again so let's take that to the next level i mentioned it earlier things that were factors you know you, older players key playmakers can't do it anymore younger playmakers that you pay a lot of money or that are supposed to be the centerpiece couldn't do it in this game depth athleticism speed chase winovich josh uche Anthony Jennings, like this, this list of young uh, second level players, 
they're not there. Like they're not part of the mix when they should be theoretically. Right. So you're left with Jamie Collins is either cooked physically, mentally, or both. Yep. He looked, he looked disinterested at times. I thought out there he wasn't even playing until Bentley got hurt. And, and Bentley is what he is. Yep. Um, but it, so cornerback and linebacker to me, the complete overhauls. It, that's hard to do. Well, I was going to bring it up. It's not like this is last offseason where you have so much cap space to use. You right. really don't this year. You got yeah, close to were, 20 million. If it were last year and you could just say, you know, linebacker, cornerback, I'm going to treat it like tight end, sign two of the best uh, linebackers on the market, two really good cornerbacks, bring them together, draft one, and all of a sudden I have five new players that could be the core. Right. I don't really think you have those opportunities. Now you're back to kind of what you were before. Like maybe I can sign one top tier player where then I got to go the value route and how many, how much talent can I get from value? Like it's. If anything, you're going to potentially be forced into maybe talking yourself into some of these guys and hoping they are ready to jump up, whether it's Uche or Jennings or Perkins or. That, and then it also falls back to the, the drafts you need to hit on your first two picks and have something like Mac and Barmer where your first two players are impact players where in the past it's been like, yeah, maybe we get something out of you or you can have a red shirt. You're like, you need those guys who've taken the draft to be immediate impact players. But there's a reason we're raving about the job they did this year. Cause it's, it's rare. It's hard. Right. Right. Like, so, and I don't, I mean, it is their jobs and they get paid tens of millions of dollars to do it, but picking 21st, and then, so what's 21, 53 or whatever the right. second one is? That's hard to say. I need you to get a starting linebacker and a Y'all starting are, like, To your point, the Barmore, he was a second-round pick, but you trade up high in the second round to get him. So it's almost like you got two guys of the top 36 in the draft. Right. And, yeah, I, I just – that to me is the biggest question and challenge of the offseason. How do you find – with less resources, both and we're not even mentioning they need a number one receiver. Yes, that's a uh, that's a big deal. Although I do think, as much as everybody's going to fixate on that, you can have a decent offense. I, I think without that being solved this off season. Well, here's one for you: find Jonu Smith a role, elevate his game. If you elevate his game a little bit, maybe you can get away with pushing that number one receiver back another year maybe you can wait till next offseason and still develop a little bit this coming year but then add that piece to get you over the top two years down the road remember when i said we um we vacillate between homers and negative and cynic you just you just swung over to the homer side i'm sorry i'm as big a fan of john smith the idea of him as anyone i've given up given up you you can't though like no 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 i know you can't get rid of him yeah, you can't. You unless you want to take a twenty-three million dollar cap it, then you can't do it. But you need to resign yourself to the fact that he is a gimmick player athlete. Who best case scenario, you get like two plays a game out of. Maybe one's a run and one's a screen or oh, something. That's more than you got this year. So yes, I know, and that's all I'm hoping for is that like the year two jump. But I think anyone who thinks year two jump for him gets him to where I thought he was going to be this year as a centerpiece. No, I I keep saying the best case scenario is a poor man's combination. Corderell Patterson, Debo Samuel, find a way a few times a game to get the ball in his hands, but he has to be a complimentary player. He just isn't what you signed him and paid him to be. But I just, I came across something in my head as we're talking here. So I find it interesting that on paper, The Patriots' defense is among the best in football. doesn't matter what you want them to do, whether it's, you know, pass defense, red zone defense, third down defense, scoring defense. The rush defense was suspect. But um, almost everything. the league on paper. Yeah. Um, So every – and yet I feel like the way the roster is returning for next year, your defense needs a significant total overhaul. And your offense, like you say, how are you going to get a number one receiver? I'd love Calvin Ridley. I'd love Devontae Adams. I'd love that slot. But if it doesn't get fixed, I feel like you can be good enough running the football, 
Mac gets a little bit better. Josh knows his weapons a little bit better. Bourne is more. Mm. I feel like that unit could be more competitive on a weekly basis or good enough to win on a weekly basis, almost as is. Like almost with uh, no changes. The way we were talking through that, just the way that the offseason's shaping up, you you might have to go that route and just yeah. hope on that, use all your resources on the defense, and then after next year, reevaluate things from there and say, what do we need to take us over the top? Yeah, I think free agency money and top two or three picks need to really be focused on defense. And then this number one target thing, I don't know if you take a shot on a veteran that you think is underutilized somewhere else, or you take a shot on a fifth round pick who has injury baggage, something. And maybe that's how you try to get there for this year. And defensively, I think you need to sign a starting caliber, something to draft a starting caliber, something, Mm -hmm. you know, corner. And that's weird because again, on paper, defense is one of the best in the NFL. Yeah. The offense is the thing that needs to grow, but and you know what fans are going to be calling for all offseason. Number one receiver, number one receiver, number one receiver. And yep. then come, come draft day, there's a very good chance they don't take an offensive player until day three. Right. And you know, it's already happened. My guy Fitzy somehow Fitzy's convinced himself. You're going to send a second round pick and Isaiah win to the Falcons for Calvin Ridley. And I continue to ask why the F would the Falcons do that? How does that make sense on any level for the Falcons? And no one has an answer to me, but that's a popular trade all over Twitter that, that that's going to get it done. Falcons want a crappy left tackle who's making $10 million. Of course they do. I got nothing. Okay. Uh, speaking of the, the line, I know it, this is like very minutia. What would you do with the line next year? Um, can I, can I, can I, can I roll it back? Basically like just. I- well, Trent Brown's a free agent. So you can't. Yeah, but you, yeah, think could gonna, you think he's going to get a deal better? Like, I think he likes it here. I and also think he, he's been disappointing. He's been fine. I don't think he's been great, but I don't think he's been terrible. I thought he was, well, I know the whole team was bad, but he was a no-show the, the other night, even from an effort standpoint. Like, the, the play that Mac Jones rolled out, and it was a blocker who did a better job than Trent Brown did all night. Yeah, I, you, was it, who was it? Bush? Obama, like, don't judge people based on their worst moment or their, like, I think you need to be careful by judging too much on, uh uh-oh, Ken Laird calling, I can't be good. Um, I think you need to be careful by judging too much on what happened in that game. And I know I'm doing it, oh, defense got to be overhauled and Judon stinks and JC stinks and all these things. I think Trent Brown, there's a chance he's one of your best options as for a tackle next year. He probably is, but can you afford him? But is, is he going to get another big contract? Didn't work at all out there. No, and, I, he's, you know, he's clearly better off with the Patriots. Like, they know him. He knows them. Like, he, he likes it. He obviously didn't work out with the Raiders. So, yeah. Maybe really the 49ers. Like, the 49ers acknowledged his talents, but also acknowledged his warts when they got rid of him and sent him to the Patriots the first time. So, I, I think maybe there's a way you can find um, a copacetic contract, a relationship to move – you have win already, unless you swap him. You know, maybe you can trade him for Devontae Adams straight up. Or yeah, maybe. Like Never know. Um, for the shot. I would think you'll lose Ted Karras because I would hope for his sake somebody says, hey, this guy's not that bad. He started three years in a row. Maybe we should make him part of our offense. Um, well, you said roll him back. So now you're now he's gone. Who's in there? Is Mike Onwenu the best freaking lineman in the NFL or is he a jag? That's what I would. Is he a better right tackle or is he a guard? Pick one. I think they jerked him around too much this year. I thought he was a a very good right tackle. Keep him there. Roll with it. Like, he's your guy. So put him at right tackle, put Trent Brown at left tackle, and put Isaiah Wynn at left guard. Boom, we're done. There's an offseason. Okay. Uh, We've been going long. I don't know if people maybe maybe enjoying this. We haven't talked about the coaches at all. Do you want to save that? No, that's on my list. You want to save that or or get get to it? Um, no, I think we need to talk about that because that could be the first shoe that drops of the offseason. Um, certainly Gerard Mayo's name is a popular one around the NFL. And I think he wants out. Uh, I would if I were him. I think it's time. And to be honest with you, David Culley can be the perfect example. He coached one year and he got $22 million out of it. Like, yeah. I know I know Gerard likes to say, I was a first-round pick pre-CBA. I got plenty of money in the bank. It's not about money. 
But if you can go sign like a five-year, $20, $25 million contract somewhere as a head coach, at this stage in his career, go be the head coach, fail miserably after two years, collect that money, now actually be a coordinator, which you've never been, and then in five more years, work your way back up. He's on or, the uh, – Or just come back to New England and sit up in the press box and collect your uh, – you're still getting paid from other teams. Same, same. That that can work too. But, you know, I would put Ger- uh, Gerard Mayo on the Raheem Morris um, path. Raheem Morris had never been a coordinator. He was like a defensive backs coach, became the Bucks head coach. Now he's a candidate again after he failed, went the coordinator out, rehabbed his career – so if I'm Gerard Mayo and something is offered, I would pounce at it. I think he will. I think there's a chance he becomes the head coach in Houston. Um, I'm intrigued by whether he or Josh or either would Josh go there. Um, the I don't four- think I don't think Josh would. I think like the perception among like Houston would be like that's too much Patriot stuff. Like you got Casario, Easterby, McDaniel's. Whereas Mayo, yes, he came from the Patriots, but he's not. He's only been here for three years. He was a player. Right. Like, he's not in that same category. So, I think – like, I don't – I think Josh would, would realize – and even Kaseria, too, might realize that that's just too much to, to ask and, and it wouldn't work. And it's Josh's second job. It's his second job with no quarterback necessarily in place, in sight. How are you getting the quarterback? Who's the quarterback? Um, so, I like, does your, what does your gut tell you? Who's gone? Who's staying? How does it play out? Mayo's gone. Josh stays, comes back for another year. Same. I, I feel the same way because it seems like Mayo, Houston, Denver, maybe Chicago, those are all potential opportunities for him. Um, I think Flores factors into the mix a little bit for Mayo. Like if Flores goes to Houston, then maybe Mayo – like I think Houston's Mayo's best chance. Like I don't – I don't think the Broncos are right for him. Um. I don't know. Like the reports out of Denver are they are prioritizing a leader of men, not a football coordinator, not a football X's and O's type. And that certainly fits Mayo's selling point. Um, So I I don't know about that. I, and I think Flores is interesting in this whole, I don't know if you read these reports and I don't know how valid they are this idea that he and, and watson might be a package deal yeah i saw that yeah maybe to new york that watson wants to rehab his in, image yeah, i saw him. the latest from new york is uh dable and flores are they're like top candidates yeah and i think dable should be the, the top candidate in all of football in my opinion he should be one on everybody's hey, list just put the tape from saturday night and say here yeah and or, or put the you know what you start with is the tape of um Josh Allen before he got there and then say, Oh, and I have some fresh tape and I put this in and like, I think you could, I love his experience. People, Oh, he doesn't have head coaching experience. You can't get head coaching experience without being a head coach. That's the way it works. So he's also been everywhere. He's been, he's, that's he was, what I love. he was the OC in Miami before he even came to New England. That's what I love is the, the number of coaches, coordinators, quarterbacks, owners, GMs, that he has crossed paths with. He's been in places like Miami and Cleveland where they were thought to be debacles mm-hmm. of an organization. And maybe they were, and maybe he saw that and he says, I can't go someplace where that happens or I'll never let that happen. If he I get went to the college game and, and lunged up with Saban, like he, he I, smart, smart. He has seen some of the worst and some of the best. Mm-hmm. I think his resume is, is by far the best resume. He's a play caller for a defensive coach. That's the other thing I love. You can't argue, well, I don't really know how much is him and how much is Sean McDermott. Nope, I'm pretty sure it's almost all him. (laughs) The only thing you can argue is how much of it is Josh Allen. He's a great player, but he wasn't a great player before he got there, so he was part of making him a great player. Um, So what's your gut with the same? I think Josh stays because I don't know where he would go. I agree. The one wild card for me for Josh I find intriguing is Minnesota. Chicago, that's for me. Yeah, Chicago. I still fixate on this thing that Jim Nagy and Mike Lombardi said that Justin Fields made no sense for the Patriots, and I think of Josh as the Patriots. So, okay, Minnesota. I look at Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook. I know you have a quarterback veteran that is a as much a problem as he is an asset Mm because you don't. He's under contract for one year. He has. I don't know if I told you this. I had this dream scenario where. You get the quarterback there and get rid of, but Cousins has 
I believe it's a $35 million cap hit. Yeah. Um, but you can trade it because his salary is guaranteed. So that's where I've actually been trying to sell. If I were a, a head coach, um, like if I'm Brian Flores, Vikings, Watson and me to the Vikings. Yeah, we can win there immediately. If I show up with Deshaun Watson, you trade Kirk Cousins for Deshaun Watson and picks and everything that's involved with that. And we are ready to win a Super Bowl in like year one in Minnesota. But um, Josh is the wild card because I think he legitimately wants to coach. I don't know when he reaches desperation mode and is just going to take. I also think he just the Mac factor kind of moves New England up on the on a, like a, a, a ring on the, the pedestal. Like he gets to work with a young quarterback. He saw year one. Like now let's take it to year two. Like Mac seems to like to work with him and take his coaching. Um, so I think the New England factor kind of there's more of a reason to stay than in past years. Our friend Huberman will check in. I think you meant rung, not ring. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, was um, sur- I was searching for what I was trying to say. Uh, yeah, I think Josh is the wild card. I think they both want to be head coaches pretty badly. That's the one thing. And there are eight jobs available. Could the Cowboys come available and become the ninth job? There were rumors Josh wanted that job in the past that Josh wants. I mean, theoretically, if if McCarthy and Kellen Moore leave, that's an interesting job for Josh. Because you have a you, great job. You know, there's no questions about power because the GM is essentially the owner. So you know what it is, whether you like it or not. I was going to say, I don't know if he's going to like that. And you have weapons, you have talent, you have a quarterback. I, I think that's an intriguing one. If, if they can McCarthy and more, though, well, don't give it to more. Yeah. Like more moves on to be a head coach somewhere. Maybe he goes to Jacksonville, let's say. Okay. Um, I think Josh would be a really interesting candidate for the Cowboys. Uh, so those coaches could stay, could go. What about just names to bring in? Like Joe Judge has to be. Bill brought it up. I think Bill brought it up in his postmortem press conference yesterday when he said, I know there's lots of questions about the staff and people who coached here before. See, I took that as him referring to the questions last week about people asking his thoughts on Flores and Judge getting fired. Yeah, see, no, I, I think he's talking about – and Flores is – isn't coming back because it looks like he'll be a head coaching candidate. I think, I think judge is coming back in what role assistant head coach, special teams. Okay. So then you have two of those guys. Like then what is Matt Patricia? Well, Matt Patricia is not really an assistant head coach. He's like, well, he is though, just not with title. Like he ran ran training camp. Well, he may be assistant head coach defense. I don't know. (laughs) Like maybe he replaces Gerard, like just flat out in that role as, De facto defensive coordinator, as Crapsheet calls him, even though he doesn't get to call the plays. You'd think a defensive coordinator would get to call the plays. Um, son of a bitch, I spilled my coffee. Um, yeah, my son's going to be pissed on his floor. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think Judge coming back feels like a, a slam dunk. Plus, he's getting paid head coach money. It's what yeah, they that's, do. That's the Patriots. That's their uh, – They can pay him 37-5 to work as whatever, and the Giants are on the hook for the that's rest. the thing the Patriots look for. Who's getting paid elsewhere? Who can we bring in? It's all a shell game. It's all a financial but, shell game. But, like, is Joe Judge enough to get things back on track? Because it does seem like there's this brain drain. Like, there's just too much ask too much ask for some guys that, that can't handle it. Well, but let's just say Josh doesn't leave. Okay. Patricia slides into a Mayo role or a more um, obvious direct role. Sure. And Judge comes back. You got three guys who've been NFL head coaches on your staff. You can't have much more brain than that, can you? Well, and then like Ivan Fears is probably going to leave. I know he's a running backs coach, but you got Vinny Sanceri. Is that his name? Vinny yeah, yeah, you got him. You got. I mean, there's there's young guys. If you add Judge and Patricia in direct roles and keep Josh, the issue would be. If Judge doesn't come back, I mean, Patricia, I guess, where's he going? He's, he's nowhere. Um, I guess unless he went with a Mayo or a, or a Josh to be a head coach. I mean, to That'd be, be a, interesting if, if Mayo took Matt. I mean, I, I can't rule it out, can I? No. So, but I, so I guess if you lost all those guys, holy crap, the coaching staff brain drain. Yep. But you also have the potential to have Belichick, uh, Judge. Patricia, Judge, and McDaniels, four head coaches. So that's that, not has that ever happened? <laughs> I'm sure it has, but it it it'd be a pretty unique setup, I think. Came Acord, does he stay or go? Stay. 
Yeah, I, I do too. Especially if I mean, Judge comes back. Yeah, he could lose some yoke, but I don't think he's getting canned. Yeah. I don't think he's getting canned at all. Uh, but we should mention, last thing, how long is this podcast? Feels like we've been going for it's interminable. Over like an hour and uh, 20-ish minutes, seems like. Interminable. Um, it's a full radio show. And we didn't even take breaks. Uh, the if If we're right, and let's just say Slater retires, um, you Hightower is not back in whatever yeah. McCordy not back. That's a we may not be talking about a brain drain, but a leadership drain next year. Captains and things in that area could be why Mac Jones already stepping up. And and I think that's a good thing. I think you need to find the next generation. I think you have that. Adrian Phillips, I think, could be that type. Sure. No, no, no. I don't say they don't have it. Yeah. But there will be different faces, voices, hierarchy. I think it's great. I think at some point you have to find the next generation. Like you did it in personnel where you, you kind of found this new generation that just had a great off season, Elliot Wolf and Matt Grow and those guys working with Bill. Mm-hmm. Now you need to find it leadership wise. You need to find out, you know, Lawrence guy is, you know, not getting any younger. So whoever those guys are that step up, because David Andrews, I think will be back to be offensive leader. Oh, yeah. James White, I would think, has a chance to be back as a free agent, but I think he likes enough here. I think he didn't get a chance to have a a role this year. Like, I think that, yeah, he's probably likely to come back. So I guess it's more defense special teams with Hightower, McCourty, Slater. Um, But you'd also have to say, like, Slater is Slater and McCourty are the overall voices and leaders of the team. Slater's the guy that breaks it down after the game. You can't get, he's, he's the, I would say he's like the team spokesman. That'd be interesting. Who would do that? <laughs> we'll have to think about it for a future podcast. Duggar? No. Duggar? No, I don't think Duggar. Born KB. Yeah, but he's like a mid-tier receiver. Like ooh. Slater's and a special teamer. Well, you don't have to say it like that. <laughs> Guy's an MF and Hall of Famer in the eyes of many. Jeez, put some respect on that name. Uh, quick. Just before we wrap up, are they better or worse next year? Hey, I asked you that question on the radio. Yeah, no, no, I'm spinning it back to you. Um, oh, so I might have to change my answer. I'm gonna say worse. I think they're the same. I said better yesterday, like as my instant reaction, but like the way now that we're talking about it and how you can't really rebuild your offense and and defense at the same time, like I still think they're two years away from being where they want to ultimately be agreed. But I, I just think, again, I'll get back to on paper. They were the number two scoring defense in the NFL. I don't think they will be that next year. Right. But they, who, it could be the opposite. You could be the 10th ranked defense, but play like the first ranked defense in the playoffs. Two shit. Oh, playoffs. You're guaranteeing a playoff spot. No, I'm just using that as the words, <laughs> but I, like when I say they're the same, I expect them to be a wild card team next year. You're not going to be able to beat the Bills in the division, but I think you're good enough to compete for that six or seven spot, which is where you, we get back to from the beginning. That's where they are. They're in that six to, to nine rank. Yeah, I think they will 100% be a game, a game, um, a game away or a game in the playoffs. Yep. Either just missed it by a game or just make it by a game. I think they will be that in terms of record. I think overall, they might not be as good a football team. Okay. I'm not sure they're going to win seven in a row next year. Oh, well, I'll guarantee that they won't. Oh, that's a bold guarantee. Well, because the schedule won't allow it to happen. Well, it allowed allowed two teams in one division to do it this year. Well, that's why, because they played the same teams. (laughs) Touche. Some announcements. We're probably not going to do the double podcast a week for the time being, unless we need to, like if Joshua Daniels goes somewhere else, we'll do a reactionary podcast, but we'll stick to the one a week with, you know, overarching bigger picture stuff, unless something happens. Um, Although you could argue that this one should have been broken up into two potentially, since we ramble on. It's like one of those movies, you know, sometimes they do those big blockbusters, part one and part two. Could make this a two-parter. But Hey, can't get enough of us, right? Can't get or enough. If they want, if you want a two parts, you could pause it in the middle and then <laughs> the next time. Oh yeah, so, this is a multi commute listen. Yeah, this is. So if, if you're still listening, we these are the people we want to listen. Thank you. Yes. And if um, you followed us, go screw yourself. Anything else? Nope, I'm good. 
All right. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week unless something happens. Bye-bye. Peace out. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.